You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host... Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back for another week here at Snarky Faith. I hope everyone's doing well. And in this time, we've had a very interesting last two to three weeks uh, with natural disasters. So I just want to go ahead and say that our hearts Our minds, our prayers are going out for those folks in Florida, in the Caribbean, those folks that are still reeling from this, and we'll be reeling from this for a while in Houston as well. Um, We are with you. We are with you, and you are not forgotten. And this has just been, it has been a, I guess, a heinous action-packed weather couple of weeks that we have going on here in the U.S. And, you know, it's one of those things that, that we don't want to forget about. Like, I felt like we were watching the Weather Channel recently almost as avidly as we watch college and pro football. And just being able to watch this and see the devastation, our hearts just break here. Um, snarky faith for all of you guys out there. So stay safe, make good decisions, and uh, we are with you in our hearts, our prayers, and spirit. Um, and so speaking about hurricanes. Speaking about this, because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a preview of kind of what we're talking about here today. And full well, full well knowing that I am going to completely contradict myself somewhat uh, on this show, um, saying that I'm going to start out in, let's go ahead and say like, it's like SnarkCon 9 um, out, out of out of like a, a 10 on the SnarkCon range because I simply just made that one up. Um, We're going to go heavy on the snark to begin the show, because guess what? That's what you're tuning in for. That's what you want to hear. We're going to go hard in on that. And then I'm going to backpedal a bit and talk about something that's a little more compassionate and graceful and touchy-feely, ooey-gooey to some out there that are listening to this. But... You wouldn't have snarky faith without this amount of snark. So, guess what? We have been having lots of hurricanes this hurricane season. And for being a guy who has a family and lots of friends and loved ones in the state of North Carolina, uh, hurricane season is a troubling one. It's a time where we begin to kind of watch these storms with bated breath, saying, will it hit us? What will happen? And, and in these times, in these times where we've seen tremendous tragedy, where we have seen people's, their lives, their homes, everything destroyed, th- this is a very, very sensitive time. And you know what we don't need? Because I'm going to give you what we don't need. Because that's what you're here for. Um, yes, this comes from an article from, aptly put, the political, sorry, political, the political garbage shoot.com. They have an article that kind of says it all. It's called Robertson Beggs, quote, the gays 
to only do hand and mouth stuff after hurricane season. So remember, you were listening to a show called Snarky Faith where we take many things tongue-in-cheek and we like to point out the insanity of Christianity. See what I did there? Yeah, that one just came to me. And one of our beloved curmudgeons in the world of insane Christianity is televangelist Pat Robertson. Yes, Pat Robertson, the... uh, what is it, the 200 Club? or I don't know. He's in some sort of a club that has a number on it that they always ask for money. 700 Club, that's what it is. Sorry, my mind escaped me. Maybe I was downgrading him like you downgrade a storm. Maybe his, his old man weirdness is less effective when he was a slightly younger old man. But Pat Robertson, not making this stuff up. I wish it did. Like this is, and I'm going to lay this out on, on two levels. One, it's funny because of how far his head up is his ass right now. Um, But secondly, we will deconstruct this on a human level, which is fairly disgusting um, what what Pat Robertson is doing. And you may say to yourself, Stuart, come on, another week, another disgusting thing from Pat Robertson? Yes, yes, because, you know, for most of us humans, breathing is a part of what we do. Uh, Being disgusting and hateful, it's part of what Pat Robertson does. Um, so yeah, let's just go ahead and hop in in on this. So I'm just going to, I'm going to quote some of this article, which is quoting him. So I don't know if I have to do like double air quotes here or like quadruple. I'm not exactly sure how that works. Just know I'm doing many air quotes, even though you can't see it because this is a podcast. So I'm sorry. So yes. So the article starts off like this. Televangelist Pat Robertson told a podcast audience this week that he had a quote special message and a dire plea. I mean, that's, I don't know how you're already stacking yourself up for that. I have a special message for all of you, but I also have a dire plea. And so his special message in dire plea was for the LGBTQ community, who he likes to refer to because he's very politically correct. He's a guy that cares about people's feelings and is not bigoted at all. And that, when I do that with my voice, that's me being very sarcastic, if you can't read that in there. So he likes to refer to the LGBTQ community as, quote, the gays. And what he is wanting, what he is crying out for through the LGBTQ community, which I will say probably makes up, what, a good half or a good uh, 0% of his podcast listening audience, but it doesn't matter because he's preaching to his choir. He's, he's speaking to his people. He's speaking the language of, what is it? Uh, ignorance and hate. And really just like, I'm the old man that can't find my car keys. And I don't even know where I parked my car to begin with. That's kind of wandering around out there. Yeah, that's what he's doing here. So I'm only saying this, not because it's disgusting, but because at some level, we just have to learn to laugh at this. Um, So yes, so he wants the LGBTQ community to consider drastically cutting back on their sexual activity and to only limit it to, quote, and again, you can't make this stuff up, quote, just hand and mouth stuff. He goes on to say again, I'll quote, I'm just afraid that God's patience with butt sex is wearing thin. 
And the last thing we want to incur, uh, we want to, is to incur his wrath simply because the gays couldn't keep their anal sex to a respectable level. I mean, when I read this, I just, like, I think my wife and kids thought something was happening wrong. Like, I was losing my mind in the next room. I'm sitting, like, in my bedroom slash office in these posh surroundings that I have here in my small house. And I'm reading this, and I'm laughing in disbelief. Not laughing. I, yeah. Yeah. I Well, I was laughing. I'm just laughing at how beyond ignorant beyond demented and when i say demented i mean more towards dementia um with him that statements like these are because all you can begin to do is laugh but at the same time you ask yourself this is what i ask myself oh my gosh this guy has an audience oh my gosh this guy makes millions of dollars a year and oh my gosh i'm a guy that does a little podcast uh it's out here at chapel hill carborough and the rest of the snarkiverse so it's some level i need to take pause and say well this dude does roll in the cash and maybe i need to start being more televangelist like but then again my conscience uh grabs me very quickly and said no you would probably end up wanting to kill yourself if you started to act like pat robertson fair point conscience fair point you win again yes so let's continue on with this insane unhinged this is like I'm gonna. This is like an Alex Jones Infowars level like diatribe that he is just unleashing here, and he went on like later within this podcast to at least tell us that, well, you know, you need to know at least. This is my paraphrasing, and again, I'm not an impressionist, so bear with me. Um, that no amount of anal sex is acceptable to God, but he's asking him to dial it back a bit. And again, them and they, that the, all of that, those kind of statements, those kind of pronouns are very hurtful and damaging. So just realize in the spirit of really roasting him, I'm kind of using some of his own words to speak to the craziness of, of the bubble that he lives in. So he goes on, to continues on to say, a quote, you might think God and Jesus don't have enough free time to care about the personal sexual orientation of every human being. But that just shows you that you don't know Jesus Christ like I know him. So the Jesus Christ that you know, Pat, is apparently obsessed with keeping a census or a, an accounting of butt sex? That really makes God, what is it, a, a voyeur? I mean, because again, when you get these folks, when you get these folks in these weird bubbles, in these weird like tangents of like like where they are on the spectrum of how insane and crazy they are, they never actually like tease out like their thoughts. You know what I mean? Like to make a statement like that, you have to think back in your head. You have to go, okay, so if that's how he's characterizing God, that God is some sort of a perversion accountant, that the God that made the universe, that made the uh, glory of the universe, the the beautiful mountains, the trees, the plant life, and all of this that we call like life in existence. He created all that, spent a lot of time creating stuff, but now he's really devoting his time to keeping an accounting of butt stuff, as he put it. I don't really know. I mean, first of all, this is a huge denigration of who God is. 
and and huge integration of like what what is what is grace, what is compassion, what is love, what is all of this to where like they've boiled God down to this angry, nasty, kind of perverted God. Like if you want to see their worldview, God's a little weird. God's a little. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for words on this. But guess what? So, um, yeah. So apparently, God cares a lot about that. And so then he, 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 he says this. He says, now look, everyone. I know that right now is not the time to be giving out lectures about morality. But again, that's like one of those things. This is me. This is me. And like, I'm, st- I'm, I'm, I'm speaking inside the quote, here's me. And so as, as you're listening to this, it's one of those kind of things to where people are kind of like, you know, I don't mean to be offensive, but... So let's see what he says after his precursor statement here. So many people are hunkering down just trying to survive the hurricanes and flooding that comes with them, but we should also probably talk about how these darn hurricanes would stop if the gays could stop doing these things with each other's buttholes. Literally, I am not making this up. He didn't say that. This is back to me. Sorry, end quote. Now back to Stuart. He's literally talking about this. A Christian leader who at some level, I could say here, he's talked about butt stuff several times within his podcast and buttholes. Are we sensing like a little, like, you know, I don't know. Is he kind of trying to work out his therapy here? Because he seems a little obsessed with buttholes. And so then we see what happens. So like, was it two weeks ago now where Harvey made landfall? Um, Robertson goes on to continue saying, I have a sneaking suspicion God was about to do something. And there's only so much butt play that God can turn the blind eye to. I'm serious. He's really saying this. This is real. This is a real dude that rakes in the millions, that actually has sway with a lot of Christians. And all he's doing is focusing on talking about anal sex. What does that say? This is craziness. I, 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 don't, I just, you know... And he goes on to say, you know, great things like this, where, you know, that Hurricane Harvey was almost assuredly, again, almost assuredly, uh, whatever, Pat, you know, God's punishment for the gays um, in America. Um, And it has nothing to do, nothing to do, let's just leave this out, nothing to do, nothing to do, nothing to do uh, with, you know, climate change, global warming, uh, man-made problems. No, 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 no. Well, the man-made problem is, in Pat's mind, is that, there's too many people having butt sex. I don't know. I mean, this is, this is, it's, it's, it's gross. It's disgusting. It's, I don't know. See, it's, it's, it's a weird thing for me to say this. Like I would almost say Pat Robertson, this is beneath you, but I don't really think there's anything that's beneath Pat Robertson. So I can just be horrified that he is a Christian leader speaking out in weird, brass terms. But guess what? He somehow knows it. He finishes by saying this. It might seem callous, cruel, crass, and, un- and frankly unchristian to speculate about what sins cause God to punish whom. And it's all those things, most assuredly. But I can't stop thinking about gay stuff myself. Literally, he said that. Literally, he said that. So I am positive God is similarly obsessed with the private bedrooms affairs of of grown adults. So here's my snarky comment, and I'll leave it at this because this has already been ridiculous enough and taken up way too much of our time. 
So, Pat Robertson, are you saying that consenting married Christian adults that have, as you put it, butt sex, that doesn't make God mad? God's just mad when butts, I don't know. Okay, you see what I'm doing. I'm actually just trying to like play with the logic or lack of logic that he has here. You can go in so many different directions with that. So, Pat, thank you for being our first crazy Christian uh, that we talk about here today, because we are going to talk about, in a minute, in a minute, um, how to get to, we will go through the crazy, the miles and miles of crazy, to then get to, my main point of the day is, how do you talk to people like Pat Robertson? How do you talk to conservatives? How do we dialogue with them? Because guess what? In America, we're stuck with this. We have racists. We have white supremacists. We have angry, hateful people. We have angry, hateful Christians. So how, as a country, uh, do we begin to work on this divide? And so that'll be the main point of that. But that all sounds so serious. And I've got plenty of other things to make fun of before we get to that. So hang with me for just a few more moments. We're going to do these really quickly. So let's talk about, let's talk about Pastor Paula White who is one of these spiritual advisors to President Trump. And she's also pastor of a church called New Destiny Christian Center, which if you know Christians and churches, uh, we can only assume that New Destiny Christian Center was a spinoff, was, it, was a church split from just Destiny Christian Center. Because if you've seen it, in most of your towns, you have a First Baptist, a Second Baptist, a Third Baptist church. And that simply just means that they actually literally had a split and apparently no creativity to rename their church. So first uh, Baptist church in your community, if there's a second Baptist church, they had a split years ago. That's how it works. Yeah. So who knows if Destiny Christian Church, Church uh, what, Destiny Christian Center, uh, if there was a first Destiny Christian Center, but I don't know. Uh, we shall see. Regardless, I will take a breath in making fun of her. Uh, she came out saying simply this, I can 100%, I don't know if that's what she sounds like, Hundred. Uh, no, sorry, I can 1,000% say that our president is not racist, you know. Usually that sounds like a little overcompensating. Couldn't you just say I'm 100% certain our president is not racist? Oh, I'm 1,000%. Oh, oh, you're really certain there. And And again, so a lot of this came out because we'll get to it, we'll get to it. This is tied in. So she was on the PTL Network show, the Jim Baker show. She was on the Jim Baker show, who we love to make fun of here, um, saying that the president is someone who's been authentically raised up by God. He's been authentically raised up by God. Let's just sit there for a second. Okay. If, we're, if, we, if we as Christians want to be able to spread the message of Jesus, and say that God loves you, God will help you, God will, will be there in your spiritual journey for you. All of those things, right? And as good old Paula White here is saying, you want to look at someone who's been authentically raised up by God? Look at the president! I, I mean, that's kind of like saying, eat a Taco Bell, our burritos have pubic hair in them. I mean... That's not going to make you want to go there. But again, we're talking about folks that exist in a bubble that 
real life and society somehow does not ever touch or deal with. So thank you, Paula, that you were standing behind this orange schlub of a man and continuing to spin lies and put the Christianity stamp on it because that's what you do to keep business rolling. Right, Paula? Yeah. This is what an authentic man of God should look like. Uh, if that's true, I really don't want to know your God. And I'm not trying to play that game. I'm just being really facetious here um, in that. But guess again, Sue, she was also on, who do we say earlier? Our buddy, our buddy, our good friend, pal, Jim Baker. Yeah, the Jim Baker that built people out of millions of dollars back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, that Jim Baker. Yeah, that Jim Baker that still attends televangelists and on TV. Yeah, that guy. Oh, guess what he was doing? Oh, much like Pat Robertson, he was talking about the nation's sin and how we're marching towards Armageddon. God has lost his patience with the world. Um, and all of this that we're seeing is because of America's sin. Not because of normal client, um, climate things. No, just sin. Not because of the God that created the universe in order, that created weather systems and all of this stuff that there's an intelligent design behind that kind of stuff that you can actually chart that we are literally in hurricane season right now. So some of this shouldn't surprise us. Um, yeah, that God that created all these things that just happened naturally. Yeah, that. Um, so yeah, Jim Baker is saying apparently God is just angry and he only gets angry every year during hurricane season and that kind of an anger and a, as Pat Roberts, butt stuff anger in August through October um, on the, eastern part of the united states so that's what god does apparently yeah that that's it but uh but jim baker so he's decrying the immorality of america how things are horrible which again thank you jim baker for telling us that we're immoral the guy that has ripped off people spent time in jail and all sorts of other stuff so please continue to tell us why we're horrible but at the same time he's advertising he's advertising doomsday buckets what is it? It's food supplies for when all hell breaks loose. Let that seep into you a little bit. So he's decrying the nation. He's saying we're horrible. This is awful. God is angry and everything bad is going to happen. But he's there for you people. He is there for you people to make a buck, but to help you. But to make a buck, but to help you. You know, it's kind of like how like the Home Shopping Network or QVC, those people act like they want to help you because they're going to sell you some piece of crap for $100 that I don't know however much crap uh, costs in there. Yeah. So even though we're all going to hell and God's angry with us, Jim Baker's got your back. You can buy these emergency food rations, the same kind of crap that uh, Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity all peddle. So they all talk about the doom and gloom of the world and then advertise for you to buy some delicious tasty meals, um, which... Actually brings us to our first sponsor in the show, uh, Doomsday Meals. They're delicious. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yes, so this is the kind of crazy that we are talking about. This is the kind of crazy, even though they say Jesus, they say Christianity, I really don't want any part of these folks. Like, that's not the Jesus I know. Like, that's not the Christianity I know or that I would like to know. Whatever they are peddling is something different, and we need to have a different word for it but I just haven't come up with uh, a good enough one. I've heard people call it churchianity or other stuff like that too. Uh, or maybe it's like capitalism anti or I don't know, Ponzi scheme anti. I I'm not really sure. But what this leads me to, to where 
I've got my snarky, most of my snarkiness out of my system up until this point. So I want to now talk about this. Um, I had a, um, a listener uh, contact me, and she was great, amazing. Just a very, very heartfelt comment that she'd had on one of our last shows. And um, this is Brittany, and she is uh, from North Carolina, and was beginning to ask about, um, it was on the last show that we put out about the Nashville hate mint. See what I did there? Uh, the Nashville hate mint, uh, which is a rift on the Nashville statement, uh, which you can look it up. I, it's really not worth your time to read. Where it was a bunch of conservative Christians coming together to affirm all of the things they hate and try to provide a concordance level of scripture. Like, let me look this up. Oh yeah, we can put this here, here, here. Here's why we hate. Uh, they didn't put it that way. Uh, they thought they were being very holy and uh, upholding of theology. But at the same time, um, you can hold all the theology you want, but if you don't love or show grace or mercy or compassion, the theology you're holding really has nothing to do with Jesus. Like, it's kind of that simple. Like, if, if there's no love and compassion in any of what you're writing, are you really still kind of on God's team? Or are you just really angry and bitter and nasty? Um, it's a different, different topic, different story. Actually, if you want to read that one <laughs> where I riff on them or listen to that one, uh, yeah, look up snarkyfaith.com and it's the Nashville Hatement. So Brittany um, had, uh, had written, written me and, and it led me to, to, to really kind of take a step back because um, she, was, she was asking about how do I, like her, from her perspective, how, like she's like, how do I, how do I reach out to a lot of these closed-minded people um, with love and compassion and begin to show them that Jesus is bigger than what they think? That, that, that the Jesus of the gospel is not really the Jesus that they're preaching, that the Jesus who lived and loved and died for people is not really showing up in the hatred that, that these folks are spinning, like a lot of the conservative Christians are spinning out there. And, and it was a very, very good question. And, and it, there was a reason why I had to get all of my snarky out because this is the time. This is kind of like, you know those episodes back in like 80s sitcoms where you'd sit down and like the, the music gets soft and the violins play where it's like, DJ, Tanner, Full House, Dad sits down, oh, DJ. You're growing up, kid. And this is part of what life is like. You know, those kind of BS uh, things they would always have in the episodes, the special episodes. And um, yeah, I'm going to kind of delve into some of that. And so the question was, um, was how do you begin to reach out um, to folks like this? Because if, if God loves people, God even loves these people. And as much as I get frustrated and love to rant on them and point out a lot of their hypocrisy, and but God still loves those people. You know, we go back to the simplest scripture that is quoted in most signs that uh, folks choose to put at sporting events, uh, the John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And um, people like Paula White, people like Pat Robertson, people like Jim Baker, it means God still loves them. God doesn't have to love what they do. Uh, but that they are a child of God too, and with her question, I, I thought I thought it was it was a very good one. It was an essential one, 
And it's one that kind of throws me off my little snarky horse. Um, because I honestly am sitting on one right now. Um, it's a real live horse. It's beautiful. And um, no, but with that, it was it was how, how do you begin to to reach out and to have dialogue to people that seem so um, angry and bitter and close-minded and you know those folks that like their heart seems so hard like like how how could how could they ever listen to anything else besides the the echo chamber that they live within and so i found this i found this article and i have my own but i wanted to i thought this was good this is uh, over on uh, queerty.com and it's an article called seven ways to talk to conservatives without going crazy and I thought these were some kind of good ground rules here. And then I wanted to, from my experience on talking with, with hostile people on, on both sides, um, I'll, I'll delve into my, my kind of points that I think are important to be able to also consider. But, um, but in, in this article by, by Charles Purdy, um, number one on there was pick your battles. And he says, this is the overriding principle of talking with someone who thinks that Medicare is a communist plot to euthanize senior citizens. Well-reasoned arguments rarely work for these folks. Um, and so picking your battles is, is something that I think that we've lost a lot in our culture right now because I think that we're, we're so divided. We're so toxic when it talks from, um, when it comes to like the, the right talking to the left. Like we, we can't hear each other anymore. Um, we really can't. And everything feels like a battle. Every time someone doesn't believe exactly like you do, it's a battle. And, and we just go ahead and say, well, if this is a battle, this is our battleground, let's go ahead and fight. And the idea of picking your battles, I know, as most adults here are listening, uh, you know what that phrase means. Um, but I think that, th that this, this is something that needs to be um, revisited, that there are times where you may have family members or people at work or neighbors, or people at your own church that are do not think like you, are very close-minded and angry, and you don't know what to do. And, and you feel like most times you have to almost fight for everything that comes out of their mouth. Guess what? I'll tell you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, and like the title says, pick your battles. Because we can end up having just American society continuing to devolve into this war zone um, where if you are not part of my tribe, I hate you and I need to take you down. And it's moving that way and it needs to stop. Um, so first and foremost, choose to argue about the things that really matter. And I would even go further to say, and I'll get to some of this later, is don't even choose to argue about it. Um, because arguing doesn't usually accomplish anything, but if you're in a situation where you can kind of sit down and talk to somebody, like actually have a talk, not debate, like a talk. Um, those things, those things can be helpful. And also when you're picking your battles, do it on a level playing field. So maybe if you have somebody that, that you actually want to have a conversation with, invite them to lunch to have a conversation about that. Don't do it in front of your coworkers. Don't do it in front of a bunch of other people. Just do it one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that's the way to actually have some sort of commonality when you're actually looking eye to eye to a person and you're not just simply sitting there trying to see who's, who's winning or losing this argument. Uh, number two on this list 
um, is don't fight on Facebook. Amen. That goes for any kind of social media or texting or anything else like that. Anything that you are dealing with in an impersonal manner, um, where you're not really in front of that person, where you aren't able to have a full conversation where the conversations are me giving a zinger and then them giving a zinger and then, you know, and back and forth, that stuff, it's not fruitful. And, and again, all it seeks to do is entrench people for where they are at. You don't need to do that. Fighting on Facebook. Guess what? Uh, Christians, liberal or conservative Christians, getting nasty on Facebook does not glorify God in any manner. It doesn't. It really just glorifies your ego. Number three on this list, which I like this one. Don't talk about the weather. <laughs> and and as, as Charles puts, the weather used to be a safe subject, but when you're dealing with people who think global warming was made up by liberals as a weapon uh, in their war against Christmas, then the weather is out. Uh, because he says that the same goes for the price of gas. Um, so listen. Uh, you know, remember those old things like around the Thanksgiving dinner table, they say, don't talk about religion and politics. Just choose wisely what you talk about. Choose wisely what you're engaging with. Because again, and I'll get to some of this later, um, there's things that we can find commonality on. There's things that we can find that we have in common with other people. And everything does not need to be a fight. Because if everything's a fight, we just we lose the ability to see each other's humanity and what's happening. And nobody is helped. Nobody is glorified. And actually, no side even gets points for doing that. Not that points are what it's about. Uh, number four on his list is facts will probably not help you. So if you were trying to have a conversation, I'm not going to say argument here, uh, with people that are very cardboard thinkers, people that get their news from one source, people that only think in terms of the headlines that they read that don't even bother to read the articles. Hey, buddies, facts won't help you in that conversation. The person that you want to argue with hasn't thought it out. They've done the bare minimum intellectually to be able to form their opinion. And if you challenge them, they will lose. But what people do as a defense mechanism is they will start straw man arguments, or they'll just start turning the subject onto something else. Trust me, I have a family member that I know very well that I've known for most of, well, actually my entire life, um, that when you begin to corner them with logic, facts, or reason, they just pivot to a different topic, and it is endless, it is exhausting, and nothing is accomplished by it. So please, for your own sanity, don't get frustrated. Just remember that. Number five. Oh, this one uh, is uh, stay calm and appeal to their emotions. And I'm not as much trying to appeal to their emotions because here's here's what I started thinking about after Brittany asked me the question. The funny thing that 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 her question evoked in me was growing up um, Southern Baptist, conservative Christian. You know, it was hammered into our head that we need to go out and convert everybody, everybody. Like, like, yes, I understand people know about evangelism and conversion. Like, we need to convert, we need to convert the, the non-believers. We need to convert the atheists. We need to convert the Muslims. We need to convert all of these people. But honestly, I was in churches, too, that would be like, you're Baptist. Oh, you need to convert the Methodists because they don't read their Bibles enough. 
or all this kind of stuff. So this whole idea of going out and doing conversion, very quickly, what you hate about them, you can become that. Because guess what? If God's in charge of this universe and God has any hand in this, let's not become militant in trying to go and convince people just the same way they try to convince you. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what you want is this. You want to have a relationship with a person. Or maybe you don't. You know, if it's Pat Robertson, I probably don't want to be buddies with Pat Robertson. And that's a choice I can make. But if it's a person that you actually are invested in and care about, um, remember that your relationship is paramount because if you break that, the conversation ends. So in this, ultimately, I mean, he says stay calm, and that's what it is. This isn't a war. This isn't a fight. I agree with the stay calm part. Appeal to their emotions. When I hear that in the article, it still goes back to trying to find um, a way to win this. This isn't about winning. Um, I think this is about being able to live in harmony with other people. Number six is very good. Let them speak and listen. Not let them listen. Let them speak and you shut up and listen. Because what begins to happen is this. Um, and I've seen this to where America, as Americans, we all want to have free speech. But we don't like it when we don't like someone else's free speech. We like our free speech, but not their free speech. And um, again, moving down that road to dehumanizing people, um, comes this thing where we don't listen. We don't listen to where they've been. We don't listen to what they've gone through. We don't listen to their perspective. Because guess what? Everybody has a story. Everybody has an opinion. And they have arrived at that place, whether you agree with it or not, they've arrived at that place through experiences in their life. And to be able to find a commonality, to be able to find common ground with people, starts with listening. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard if people are saying stuff that sound angry or closed-minded or bigoted or stuff that you don't even want to hear and stuff that you're like, it makes you want to pull your eyeballs out and scream. Listen, because I guarantee you, you're going to find bits of their story in your story. And it'll begin to bring those walls down of us and them when you begin to do that. So as, as he puts here in this article as uh, good old Charles Purdy puts in this article. Um, he says, so listen and keep your cool. Listen and keep your cool. Because guess what? This isn't something we're trying to win. This is a person's life, and you're just trying to be able to share what you think about this situation. And you want to hear what they think about it. And because coming together under a common table, I know I say this all the time, coming together like that, what it does for you is you may not be all right and they may not be all right. And you can begin to see where you can come together um, to find commonality in what you're saying. Uh, number seven on this list uh, is know when to ag agree to disagree and when to follow up. So you may come to parts in a conversation with people where you feel things are heated, where you th feel things are turning you into not your best version of yourself. You know, when your blood pressure goes up, your face feels red, and you kind of feel hot as you're talking. Not hot like, mm, look at that. No, like hot isn't like, I'm angry right now. That kind of a thing. Sometimes you can get to the point of saying, let's agree to disagree. 
And maybe we should continue this conversation later, another time. Because it gives both of you uh, the ability to cool down and to be able to think with clearer heads. Because again, being right and wrong isn't the answer. Really being able to have a deeper relationship with somebody that you somehow care about, but maybe ideologically are on very different ends of the spectrum. The relationship matters, not the point that you're trying to make. Which brings me to this. Um, when Brittany was asking me for my advice on all of this, so I, want, I wanted to give some standard answers um, that I thought were solid. Uh, because like what she was talking about was that, and, and I felt this, I felt this in what, what she was writing me, was that she dearly wants to be able to open people's eyes that Christianity is bigger than, than what they see. And, and, and from what I was reading, what she told me was that this wasn't about being right or wrong, but this is about people being able to see the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of the love of Christ, the fullness of, of God's grace and God's compassion. And, and that in many ways, we've all kind of gone wrong in our perceptions of this. So, so I, I wrote down a few things. Um, and I, and I, I, I wrote some stuff back to her as well, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave that between us. Um, and the comments section on YouTube if you want to find Snarky Faith. So it's not that private. Um, but a couple things, that what, I, what I wanted people to, to remember about this, um, when you're getting into these kind of conversations with folks, um, this isn't a win or lose situation. Because I remember telling her that there's a big difference between dialogue and debates. And if you've ever gone and sat through debates or watched them on YouTube or, yeah. It's like watching a football game. People in the audience are keeping score. You kind of have your, oh, yeah, kind of moments. But it's about one side winning and one side losing. And generally, when you show up for a debate, you have people that are showing up that support this one person and people showing up that support this other person, uh, whether like they literally like this author or speaker or they're really just supporting them ideologically, saying like, oh, you think like me. I like that guy. You don't think like me. Boo, I don't like that guy. I want him to lose. I want our side to win. Um, yeah, so it's essentially just like a sporting event. And within these... The debaters are not really trying to convince each other um, of who's right. They're trying to convince the audience. And they're going to do it um, in a way, usually, that kind of just leaves scorched earth. Um, I want to dismantle this person and their opinion, and I want to show you why I am right. And I will tell you, generally, these kind of things are not fruitful. They're not helpful. And they really don't accomplish much of anything. I've been to them. I've been to them. I was invited slash made to go to one of those like uh, evolution versus creation debates. And I'd left halfway through it because I was just like, oh my gosh, you guys are speaking past each other. There's no real logic on either side that's happening here. And it's just kind of like, it's like a pep rally trying to figure out whose pep rally wins in the end. And it, it was just, it, for me, it was exhausting and a waste of time. So uh, thankfully, they had a break. And uh, the person that really wanted me to be there 
wasn't paying attention. I just slipped out. I was like, this is just stupid. Um, and I'd actually, literally, I hadn't, I told them I thought it was so stupid. No, no, you need to come because you're going to see. Sure. Uh, but we have to realize this. These are humans' lives. And, and, and if we want to talk about this, like in, in the perspective of, of Christianity, that we are talking about the God of the universe and people that were created in God's image. And if we turn this into an I win and you lose scenario, that doesn't glorify God in any way. And really what it does is it just kind of rapes each other of our humanity. So we see them as evil and bad. And, and, you know, you end up seeing the worst part of folks in those scenarios. So I said this before, but yeah, this isn't win-lose. This isn't about debate. This should be about dialogue. This should be about a continuing conversation, an ongoing conversation. I have people in my life that do not believe the way I do, and we continue to have meals together and conversations together. And it's more about the enjoyment of us talking than it is about, I win, you lose, ha-ha, sucker. Um, it's not like that. Because you can have people in your lives that don't think like you, that think very differently than you. And you can still be kind and compassionate and loving towards them. Uh, because I think that actually makes you better being able to do that because the fear is, and this is what I talked about earlier, talking about these Christians that live inside bubbles. We don't want to create our own bubble uh, where we're able to ha 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 and point and laugh at people. Um, I think being able to have a mosaic of opinions and voices and conversations makes us as individuals stronger, uh, makes us be able to see the world in a different way uh, because that person arrived to their belief system differently than you. But that person has a story. And it's one of those things I continue to go back to in my own mind and my heart is that every person has a story. Every person has this journey that they have been on that has brought them to where they are. They have had good things in life. They have had hurtful things in life. They carry wounds. They carry victories. But all of that confluence uh, and added into that, different cultures they were raised in, uh, different DNA that we have, uh, yeah, different areas of the country you're raised in, you know, all of these other kind of stuff you add in culture and mix all this together, and they have arrived to where they are at, to their own worldview based upon where they were, they lived, where they were born, the family they were raised in, their DNA, all these things. So we are this, we are this myriad of voices, like where we stand today, we are like, I am a myriad of voices that have spoken into me. <laughs> I'm also a myriad of voices of people that have hurt me. But all of those kind of come together to make who I am. And just the same way that they make who I am. And I don't always do a good job of this on the show. Guess what? Jim Baker, Pat Robertson, Paula White, all these people, they have stuff that have made them into where they are at, that have brought them to where they are at. So in a certain sense, yeah. Um, I try to read the entire articles. I try to listen to the entire podcast about what people are saying before I totally make fun of him. Um, but also, also, um, the difference when I'm ripping on this, and maybe this is just me justifying myself, is simply this. I'm not in a relationship with them. And the purpose of this show that we started this show was to be able to give an alternative view of Christianity in America, a different way to look at Christianity in America. So, in a sense, my audience is you. It's not them. Pat Robertson doesn't know who I am. Jim Baker, no clue. Paula White, never will. Has no idea who I am. 
But my perspective was being able to give you a different perspective that Christianity isn't all about these nutter butters out there. Not about them. So in this, it's not about win or losing. These are mine. It's about finding common ground. Because again, they have stories. You have stories. You have wounds. They have wounds. They have victories. You have victories. There's common things that have nothing to do with religion and politics in their life that you can be common co-humans with them in. Do you get up every day, brush your teeth? Yes. Oh, we have that in common. Do you eat food? Yes. What food do you like? Oh, I like this. I like that too. Do you have kids? I also have kids. No, I don't have kids. All of these things, all of the things, what do you do for work? There's so much else in ourselves, in our lives that we can find commonality in because when we demonize people, like when we see the right say, like how, as Pat Robertson was saying, the gays, he has already demonized them in his mind. He has called them a name to represent all of them and the wholeness of who they are. He has not taken time to know people, individuals that have names, that have histories, that have journeys, that have lives. He sums it up in saying, the gays? See, that's hurtful. And that's sad. Because he has closed himself off and he only surrounds himself with people that tell him what he wants to hear. Sounds like a president that we have. But the same scenario. Yes, find common ground with people. And I remember this. It's what is it like? I think, and I'm going to say it wrong, but it's kind of like the doctor's credo. It's there's a better way, but it's the idea that you do no harm. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of these wars of ideology, these wars of theology, these wars of belief, can we have these conversations and do no harm to the other person? Can this simply be a dialogue or a conversation that you're having? where you are not seeking to hurt them. And what I mean by hurting them is, you see this happen. You try to get, you know, not you, but you'll see this. You want to somehow tear them down in front, in, in front of other people to lose face. Sometimes you want people to lose their jobs. But if we are saying that crisis at our core, we do not want to do harm to these people. We should want to be able to help them. We should want to be able to love them. Not because it gives us anything, but because Christ tells us to. That we're supposed to, to walk in grace and peace and love for one another. And we forget that. When we forget that, all the theology in the world can't make up for the fact that you have forgotten that Christ calls us first and foremost to love. So my last few ones I have here, and I think that they'd said this in the other article, but really, no one to walk away. Know when it's worth it and know when it's not worth it. And trust that God's guiding you through it. Trust that God's spirit is active here in this world and walking alongside with you. There's certain situations you shouldn't step into. There's certain situations that are not worth your time or effort or frustration or stress or energy. There's simply certain times that you have to say, this isn't my fight. I don't need to, to be here. I don't need to have this conversation. Because guess what? You know what matters also is that you stay sane, that you stay healthy that you have people that are building you up and supporting you in your own life before you're going out and trying to change other people's minds. Your health matters. It does. So don't put yourself in situations where you are going to find harm uh, when things could physically be harmful to you. Things could be mentally harmful to you, psychologically, uh, spiritually. All those things can be harmful to you. 
if you don't feel like you, you're healthy and if you don't, if you feel like stepping into this conversation, this situation um, is going to hurt you, don't, don't. It's not worth it. It's definitely not worth it. But also knowing when to walk away is simply this. Um, it's also knowing who to invest in and who not to. And I know that sounds weird and callous. I know it does. But I've been in many situations and many scenarios where, honestly, I've been before church boards that were berating me for acting like Jesus. And I just simply said, okay, well, we want you to defend yourself. No, you've already made up your mind. There's no reason to defend myself. I'm okay. You guys can tell me that I'm wrong. That's fine. I've been in that situation more than once. Um, and sometimes it's just not worth the effort. And lastly, and I've been circling around this all the time this hour is just remember that everyone has a story that people aren't so different than you. They're not. They're not. So these sad figures that I like to make fun of because it's fun and because I use my snarkiness as a bit of a pressure release valve. But remember, these people do have stories. Pat Robertson has a story. He's got kids. He's got a wife. You know, I'm assuming that Franklin Graham has a soul and, you know, has feelings, maybe. Um, I'm joking. But, um, but it, it really is. I think that we, we have to remember that these are all people. And um, they are all made in the image of God. And for us to treat them like an enemy, treat them um, in hatred, um, the thing that I fear the most in all of this, in this culture war they're in right now, is that the things that we can rage against um, as a progressive, um, that we can begin to hate the things that we're raging against just as much as the hate that we're calling those other folks out for. Uh, we have to be very careful that we don't become white supremacist supremacists. That makes any sense? Um, now, I'm not going out to say that we need to be white supremacists, but what I'm saying is when we call people out for their bigotry and hatred, we have to also make sure that we are not being bigoted and hateful and all of that because it cuts both ways. So I don't know. That's what I've got this hour. And give me your thoughts. Give me your feedback. Tell me where I'm right and wrong. Um, because guess what? I may be the guy with the microphone, but I'm not the guy with all the answers. And I always love to hear uh, feedback from people, comments from people, emails from people. So if you want to write to us, you can always comment on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We have our stuff out there. Just look up Snarky Faith. But also, if you want to reach out, um, you can email me, questions at snarkyfaith.com. I love hearing from our listeners. Um, but this is all I've got this hour. And just a reminder, as I end this broadcast, you can always catch us on podcast at www.snarkyfaith.com. If you go to our website, you can also sign up for cool stuff that you get weekly. You can get our shows. You can get other offerings that we have. Uh, we love for you to be a part of this invested snark nation that we have here. So like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, be part of all of this. But again, I just want to tell you in all humility, I really appreciate that, uh, I really appreciate the fact that you listen, that you're a part of this process and this conversation, this dialogue that we have going on here. I am not all right and almighty, even though I know I come off that way. <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And I hope you are too. But that's all I've got this week. And I will catch you again next week. I'm out of here. WCOM is listener-supported community radio. And Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. 
Aqueduct Conference Center was established in 1978 as a peaceful destination for small group meetings, special events, conferences, retreats, and weddings. For more information, go to www.aqueductcc.com. We are also sponsored by Lumen. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be better than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com. Thank you.